This is Pastor Doyle Jackson, and I want to invite you to celebrate Christmas with us. At the church next door this year, our theme is True Story. The Christmas story is true. It's real. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Come celebrate with us the truth of the Christmas story and how it can change your life. Let me invite you right now. I want to invite you to the church next door this Christmas. Visit our website at thechurchnextdoor.org. That's thechurchnextdoor.org. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt, or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. I am very privileged to welcome Teresa Jensen here with us today. Thank you for joining this show. She is a writer, a speaker, a publisher, a podcaster, and in addition to all of that, she's a missionary to the South Sudan with Across Ministries. What about uh, the food? What's the food like? Mm. Everyone wants to know that question. And do you ever go hungry if they're going uh, hungry? I mean, what's it like? Great question. I always tell people no one moves to South Sudan for the cuisine <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet they love it. But That's I can't good. say that it really tantalizes my t- taste buds so much all the time. There's a lot of great food there, but it's a very, very different eating style. Mm-hmm. When we first moved to South Sudan, we lived in the village. We opened a Christian school, a primary and secondary mm. Christian boarding school. Oh, good. And it was a remote village. We had to go about 26 kilometers to a shop to be able to buy rice and beans. And so we didn't have a vehicle. We had a little four-wheel ATV. Mm-hmm. That's how we got to town. And during the rainy season, even that ATV might not make it. And I remember there was a time we were down to our last little bit of food. And so my husband and one of our local ministry partners had gone to town to get more rice and beans. It was the midst of the rainy season. It had rained and they didn't make it all the way back. They had to abandon the ATV that was filled with rice and beans Mm. and walk the last about 10 kilometers back to the school and said, we can't get any closer. We need the kids. And these, when I say kids, it was a secondary school and our average ninth grader was 19 years old. Okay. So (laughs) kids are older in South Sudan. And so no child labor involved here. Mm -hmm. The kids, though, our young men need to go and walk and get the rice and beans or we're not going to eat. Well, they didn't want to. (laughs) (laughs) typical teens everywhere exactly so we had a little bit of a power struggle and it was a you know we didn't go hungry for a long time because there was a power struggle that happened and lasted about a day but the next day you know we they they wanted to go get it too but it did become a a reality knowing not only could we go hungry we're here living in a remote area with 85 young people that we're responsible for it's possible we could all go hungry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people do every day. And the other thing, though, is, um, you know, we just don't eat the volume of food that people here in the United States eat. Oh, I, I ought it. to be really thin, Jennifer. I don't know what, <laughs> although we do call, we invite people to come to South Sudan because we call it the South Sudan Slimming, Tanning, and Toning Program. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, when, when we lived in the village, you know, you were definitely, uh, we did a lot of walking. We mm-hmm. didn't have a car. We were, you know... In the rainy season, you don't walk, you slog. Mm-hmm, Everywhere you mm-hmm. go, you're in shin-deep water. 
you know, and it's really good for your muscles. But now we live in the city way too soft and easy, you know. <laughs> what do you miss? What, like when you're in the United States, what do you think? Oh, I just, I got to get back home to Sudan. Yeah. What yeah. do you miss? What do you enjoy there? I'll tell you, when I do go back to South Sudan after being in the U.S., the faces of people mm-hmm. when I arrive, they are genuinely so happy. Yeah. You know, in the U.S., I used to have a little dog because that dog greets you at the door. So happy and excited to see you, you yes. know, because he loves you. I think people just love and seeing each other. Mm-hmm. And um, not, not at all a comparison to a dog. It's a comparison to the love and, and mm-hmm. uh, companionship. Um, when when they I re- know you love them, that you would go that far yeah. for them, don't yeah, they? Yeah, I think so. Although now it's a different environment in South Sudan than it was when I first moved there because it's a huge humanitarian environment. Mm -hmm. It's such a needy place in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, it's a blessed place. They have a ton of natural resources. But because of years of war, there's a very large humanitarian community. And now that we live in the city, we're missionaries, but people don't know us any differently than humanitarians who are there. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, humanitarians actually get paid really well to be there. Missionaries don't. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with this picture? Yeah, exactly. And uh, when we were in the village, we were their missionaries. They were our people. You know, we had this relationship. And in the city, you don't have that, again, that affirmation. Remember back when I was a child and I needed that affirmation. And God, I think, brings for me back to the same theme because he doesn't want me looking to other people for my affirmation. Straight to him. Absolutely. Mm. And it was a story that I wrote in another book that came out earlier this year, just a, a little story that the biggest lesson I have learned in South Sudan came down to one day when I was really frustrated because my friends, really people I was living with in the village, something had happened. I was embarrassed. At, you know, it happens when you're a missionary, you're going to do something embarrassing abs- almost daily. You'll misunderstand the culture. You'll not know the right thing to do, whatever. Something had happened and a bunch of people laughed at me. And I actually, I had been stung by bees. It was not a funny situation to me at all, but they were laughing at me. And I went to my room and I cried. And then I cried out to God, how am I supposed to serve these ungrateful people? And I've never heard the audible voice of God. This is the closest I've ever come because it was so clear in my mind. You're not here to serve these people. You're here to serve me. Absolutely. Yeah. And so... When I'm going through a difficult situation, whatever that situation is, I remember that person who seems however they are. And this is true in the United States, too. Sure, I'm I'm taking notes right now. Yeah, you hit prickly people here, too, right? Why do I think that I deserve their gratitude? You know, why do I think I deserve their kindness, their friendliness, their smile, whatever, even their time? I'm here to serve you, Lord. Yeah, absolutely. It's a game changer when you know who you're serving. (laughs) Because if I'm expecting people to be grateful that I've moved to the other side of the world, left my family, left the 24-7 electricity, left the, Mm -hmm. you know, fast food or comforts, yeah, whatever, and that they should be grateful that I have moved to that, that I've given up so much. No, I should be grateful 
Do you know what it means that God, in his grand redemptive plan for the world, has said that Teresa Jansen has the privilege of living in South Sudan and sharing his grace and love and mercy that he gave to me so freely? Mm -hmm. That is a privilege to do that. Who am I? And so, no, I have no right to think that people should be grateful. I am grateful that God has given me that opportunity. Yeah. He's so amazing. Mm -hmm. When we can get that perspective, it'll change everything. (laughs) Absolutely. It does. It Mm. does. What are some of the cool things you've seen God do Mm. in South Sudan? Oh, I, most of them come in just such small ways. So I was teaching English at a Bible and theology college in South Sudan. And in my class, I had about 25 men and five women. Now to have a woman at the Bible theology Mm -hmm. college. Big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. Most women, if they get any education, maybe third grade, maybe eighth grade. But to be doing a bachelor's degree in Bible and theology, it's huge. Well, one of my students came to me and she had a, a problem of... Uh, uh, she had several problems, but one of them was that she needed, uh, she had no money for her tuition, even to get to school. And it just costs a couple dollars a day to take a motorcycle taxi to school. And the tuition really isn't very expensive, but she just had nothing. And she had been um, sewing to try and earn money oh. for school. And so she, but her sewing machine broke. And I said, okay. I will give you a loan, a no interest loan. You're going to pay me back and we can repair your sewing machine. She says, my sewing machine is so old. It's going to cost me more to repair it than it is to buy a new one. I said, okay, well, how much is a new one? It's like $150. Okay. So let's buy a new sewing machine. And so she bought the new sewing machine. Mm -hmm. And then the pastors who were graduating all needed these new robes for their graduation. And they came to her and all of them put in their order for (laughs) their robes with her. And she had a machine that could do it. And she was able to do that. Just small things. That's beautiful. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't even know. There's just so many. And when I first moved to South Sudan and looked at, you know, least developed country in the world. Huge. There's a famine. It's one of only two countries in the world going on right now with a famine. Um, There's a lot of problems. Highest maternal mortality rate in the Mm. world. So high, it's twice the number two position. Um, One of the highest infant mortality rates Mm. in the world. They didn't Um, have milk there. Is that right? They have, well, they have a lot of cows, but 10% of the cows have a disease called brucellosis, which can be also passed to people. So there, there can be a lot of milk, but just depends on if you're in the cattle camps where the cows are or in the city. Remember, no refrigeration. That's the thing. That's a problem. So, yeah. Um, so I, I look at all these big problems. And if you go to a place like that trying to solve these big problems, you know what? I can't make a dent, not much of one, in maternal mortality. I can make an, just teeny tiny drop mm-hmm. in the ocean, maybe. Uh, even the literacy rate, even if I teach a thousand people to ra- read, will it move that needle on the literacy rate? But when I look at the person directly in front of me that God has placed there, and I can make a difference in that one person's life, and that person can make a difference in someone else's life, it changes families as we go. And I've, I've sat with people who've lost their loved ones. When I was in the village, 
one of the things that I did was I always took a baby gift when women had babies and I knitted a little hat and then soap that was soap is a huge deal oh, and soap wonderful. is a lifesaver and uh, soap and washcloth baby hat you know whatever else little things mm-hmm. I could find to put in a bag well one of my friends that I had known for a while her daughter-in-law had a baby and it was a complicated situation because her she was a widow. Both these women were widows. And in South Sudan, oftentimes when your husband dies, his brother takes you as a bride and you then mm-hmm. continue to produce children on behalf of your original husband. So it's a inherited bride situation. So her um, brother-in-law came and married her. She mm-hmm. became pregnant. And the day she had her baby, I had heard about it. And so I, I had walked to where she was, but she actually lived on the hospital compound, which was also our only place where we could get Wi-Fi. And so we went to the, I went to the hospital to send some email and I forgot the baby gift. And the the grandma, my friend, she met me very excited because she had a grandbaby and she knew I would have a gift. Mm. Well, I forgot the gift and I felt horrible. So I said, I'll be back this afternoon with a gift. So I went in to check my email. And all of a sudden, while I was checking my email, I heard this wail, this cry like I have never heard before. I knew instantly it was not a good thing. I jumped from my chair. My chair went flying across the room. I ran out the door and ran into the little building where these two women lived. And there was my friend holding her grandson who had died suddenly. He had only lived a couple of days. And so I think about this now when I think about things like infant mortality. I don't believe in these statistics because there's only about a half a dozen of us who know that that child ever lived for a couple of days. He's not recorded on any statistics anywhere, you know. But she held that baby and she needed to attend to her daughter-in-law who was wailing. I bet. She turned and she placed that baby in my hands. And I was so humbled and don't even know and grieved and all of these things. But I knew in that moment Mm -hmm. that they had accepted me as part of the community because you don't do that to an outsider, you know? So even those things, uh, hard, hard, hard things, there's signs of hope in the midst of it where God knits us together in our pain. And we are just then two grandmothers grieving this baby and clinging to one another in the midst of loss. And, uh, and that will carry you through till the, the day when there's, you know, something that we can celebrate. And then on those days when we celebrate, it's all the sweeter. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense to someone sure. who hasn't lived it. Well, serving him, it's hard, but it's yeah. rich and it's it good. Mm-hmm. And it's still the best. It's best. It's yeah. the best way to spend your life. Yeah. The thing that gets me is that it sloughs away all of these things that we tend to get upset about. I was in the airport Mm -hmm. yesterday on my way here to Columbus, and there was someone who was so agitated because the line at Chick-fil-A was really long. (laughs) As always. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, really? You have no idea. You know, you're going to let that ruin your day. Really? Exactly. You get to eat a chicken sandwich. Right. 
Mm. Be grateful for that amazing chicken sandwich. I love Chick-fil-A, actually. (laughs) If you could just zap, you know, some of us over there for a day and come back, they would get the picture. But it's it's not that easy to get to South Sudan or not that many people. It's really is a privilege to get to go in many ways. And it's a huge sacrifice that you're making every day. Sacrifice and privilege, though, too, Mm -hmm. because I am so pleased that... I have absolutely no worry about how long that line is. <laughs> if I don't right. like it, I can find a shorter line and eat something else, you know? Yeah. Absolutely does not bother me. And Isn't I have people who, who are apologizing for this or that. And I'm like, you know what? It's all good. <laughs> there is no problem here. There's a, a freedom and a laid backness and, oh, yeah. and just an appreciation of the Lord and what he's doing in the moment. I, I love that about you. I think oh. that is such a wonderful quality that you've gained through this experience. I do wish more people had the opportunity to. And mm-hmm. so if someone has an opportunity to go to a cross-cultural experience, do it, do it, absolutely do it. And don't go thinking that you're going to offer a whole bunch of stuff or knowledge or wisdom or whatever you think you're going to offer. Just receive. Yeah. Go with your hands open to receive, not, not so much give. Mm-hmm. And you will be blessed because you need it more probably than those that you think you're going to serve. I remember taking a group halfway around the world to Kenya and we were sitting in the living room of the pastor's house and he was asking, you know, what's the highlight of your trip? And one of the kids said, I I realized that I'm halfway around the world and God is here. Mm. He thought, you know, maybe God only lives in America. Uh Oh, no, God is still halfway around the world. God is here and God's people are here. And Mm -hmm. he's amazing. It it just gives you a worldwide perspective. Absolutely. That is the most incredible thing. Yeah. Some people think that they're going to go to the developing world and take Jesus to the (laughs) developing world. But guess what? He's there. Jesus is there. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, before we go, I want to hear about your little book, your golden scroll winner, uh, a book about a mango. Is that right? Tell us about your writing. I want to hear about it. Oh, thank you. Well, I, uh, uh, quite a long time ago, wrote a story, a children's story that was never published. Okay. And so this is the story of how Little Mango in a Big World came to be. (laughs) I was asked to attend a fundraiser for this ministry called Nile Orphan Care in South Sudan. And so they were trying, they tried to invite all the bigwigs of South Sudan to this fundraiser. And the weather was horrendous Mm -hmm. that day. There were a lot of everything that could go wrong, went wrong. I don't know if you've ever experienced an event like that. But this poor, uh, this guy who was running this orphanage with 1200 orphans in this orphanage. Mm, That's a lot. Yeah. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And uh, the guest of honor didn't show up. And most of the uh, the attendees who were supposed to be didn't show up because the weather was just Rain terrible. Rain it was it was windy and the and the clouds were so dark and they had set up these tents in the courtyard for us to sit under and I remember I'm sitting under this tent and the big boys of the in the orphanage were holding the tent down mm. trying to keep it from blowing away and I'm just this wind is rushing around me and I'm also hoping this tent doesn't collapse on my head you know but then the guy who runs the orphanage he came he came up to me and he whispered in my ear the guest of honor speaker didn't come um, you are now the guest of honor speaker. <laughs> Always be prepared. <laughs> Always be prepared. That's a missionary thing for sure. And so I thought, okay, what can I say? And I looked around and there were very few adults there. No one came, but there were hundreds mm. of children. And I thought, what can I say to these 
kids. God has a message. I thought about the story that I had written years ago, and the story was about an acorn. Well, these kids don't know what an acorn is. They've never seen an oak tree. But in the story, this acorn, a lot of stuff happens to him that he didn't plan, had no control over. Life just throws a bunch of terrible stuff at him, and he has to decide then what to do. So I think, well, that's a great story for orphans, but they don't know what an acorn is. So on the spot, that acorn became a mango. (laughs) And the story of little mango in a big world was born. I just changed the story and and told it. And then when I got back to my office later that day, I really felt that I needed to write it down. So I wrote the story. It went through a few reiterations and Mm -hmm. things like that. But I really saw that little mango representing vulnerable children all over the world who things happen and they don't have any choice or control. And the world judges them based on how they look, Mm. their torn clothes, the fact they're dirty. We had one of the street children one time, he Mm. needed medical attention and I gave money for him to go to the clinic and the the clinic refused to see him because he was so filthy. And I thought, well, all the more reason to see him. him Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had to fix that before he could actually receive medical care. So, you know, people look at even children who are supposed to be the innocents, right? And they pass judgment on them. And people do that here in the United States, too. Sure. Oh, every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the story is about vulnerable children of all kinds, The illustrator who illustrated it is an 18-year-old young man who was raised in a refugee camp. He's Mm. South Sudanese, raised in a refugee camp in Uganda. And um, the the story is also about the ministries and people who step in and serve these kids and show the love and light of Jesus and the hope. And it's based a little bit on this uh, quote that I've modified that is... um, you can count the number of seeds in a mango, but only God can count the number of mangoes in a mango seed. <laughs> and that's the potential. We call it mango potential. Every child. <laughs> mango potential. Yeah, every child has potential deep inside. And I went back later to that orphanage, took a copy of the book when it was published and yeah. had all the beautiful color illustrations and read them the story and then told them, you know, God that's has good. planted something inside of you. I don't know if you'll be a doctor or an engineer or a nurse or a pastor or what you will be. But God knows, and you will you will be something that can change the world, your world, your whatever is right around you, whether that space is big or small. All of us have mango potential inside of us <laughs> and don't necessarily look to change the world somewhere else where you're not. God has called you to change the world right where you are. Plant yourself right where you are. Look for the opportunities, and that's where you're called to serve. So Little Mango in a Big World was published in uh, May 2022, and the proceeds benefit ministries serving vulnerable children, and I have a few of them right now that uh, I give the proceeds to. And uh, yeah. How can we get one of those? If somebody wants your book or they want to listen to your podcast, how Mm -hmm. can they find you? The best way, especially with the book, it's available on Amazon. But to be real honest, if you buy it on Amazon, Amazon gets most of the money. I don't have much left to give to vulnerable children. So if you want to purchase the book Mm -hmm. and and really benefit, go to TeresaJansen.com. And it's Teresa without an H and Jansen with a Z instead (laughs) of an S. And so TeresaJansen.com. There's also a link to the podcast there. But if you search radical abundance, because I believe that God has given us a radical abundance of all sorts of things, love, grace, joy, mercy, 
all of these things. And uh, so the Radical Abundance podcast is available on your favorite podcasting platform and on YouTube. Well, your life is an expression of this radical abundance. Thank you for being on the show today. Little Mango in a Big World. Go to TeresaJensen.com and that'll be just such a great experience. Thank you. When we gather together like this every day, I think it's really important that we we think about how are we inviting God into this situation. So every day, I want to take a little bit of a moment to pray to ask God to move in our world. So right now, let's just bow our heads together and let's pray. Let's pray for joy today. I think we could use some joy. How about you? Let's pray for the joy of the Lord right now. Lord, we praise you today. Psalm 16 says that I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. Lord, I thank you that in the daytime and the nighttime, I can praise you and that you will instruct me. And the, and the psalmist goes on to say that, that you, you lead us in paths of righteousness and joy. And Lord, that's what we want today. The reason we praise you, the reason that we pray today is we want you to pour into our hearts your joy. Lord, life can be busy, and we know that rejoicing and praising in you is what gives us more life to live this life. We don't want to live on our own, so we come before you today, and this is our prayer. Our prayer is that our joy would be made full, because that's what you prayed for us, Jesus. In the Gospel of John, you prayed that our joy would be full. And so we agree with you in prayer today. Fill us with joy. Help us to recognize the ways in which you are meeting our needs. Help us today to to recognize the way you're working and, and show us that even in the midst of life that we are not alone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your joy is good. It It nourishes us. It strengthens us. And we feed on that. Lord, I thank you that as I read your word, I am told to pursue joy, to pursue you as the source of my joy, to trust you for my joy. And so right now, that's what we do. We say, Lord, give us our joy. Give us wisdom. Give us the ability to accept you and to walk in joy. You are our joy. You are our Savior. And it's in your name we gather and pray today. Wow, that was so good. Didn't you enjoy that prayer? Well, would you like more help learning to pray? Then go to yournextstepnow.com. That's right, yournextstepnow.com. Give us your email and we'll give you our free prayer guide. It's an ebook. You can download it. You'll have it right there. And you can join us daily as we learn to pray. We ask God for great things. You know, it will change your life to pray daily. And we need your help. We need your support, your prayer support. So give us your email today at yournextstepnow.com. This has been Your Next Step a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at The Church Next Door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for Your Next Step.
This is Pastor Doyle Jackson, and I want to invite you to celebrate Christmas with us. At the church next door this year, our theme is True Story. The Christmas story is true. It's real. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Come celebrate with us the truth of the Christmas story and how it can change your life. Let me invite you right now. I want to invite you to the church next door this Christmas. Visit our website at thechurchnextdoor.org. That's thechurchnextdoor.org.